Hey, Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast. Evan's accosting me for not wearing Browns gear. I took it off because I wanted to put on a nice neutral colored sweatshirt for the pod with my classic summer league gap. But today's show uh, is our kind of first introductory into some season preview stuff. We're a week away from media day. We're going to check in on some questions that I have for Evan that he doesn't know what they are, but we're going to hit them as we get going here on the show and kind of run through some things as we get going. We're going to alternate this format at least twice this week. Maybe we'll do another live this week um, as we start getting closer to doing, you know, five episode weeks here once again. But this would probably just be three if you're tracking at home. Jeff Nomina talking to you. Today's episode is brought to you by Mondays Unlocked on NBA, by the way. Sorry, we got the latest NBA news and game recaps unlocked and to be josh floyd host of the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world that's locked on fantasy basketball for those keeping score at home takes around the nba's major headlines with help of our local experts sometimes that include schleps like evan and i follow the locked nba podcast today wherever you get your podcasts you are locked on calves your daily cleveland cavaliers podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're here. We're back. Evan, did you have a good weekend? I did. I uh, took a fat nap after the Browns game, so I'm feeling refreshed, feeling revitalized. Uh, I, I was thinking about this. I've been pondering this tweet a little bit. I don't know if you saw it, Chris, but... Probably not. If our guests charged 50 to $100 oh, for their I did. Oh, show, I, I did see this. I, that, that guy is an absolute lunatic for doing that. No, he's an absolute lunatic, because first off, fuck off. Like you're it, you're exposing yourself to other audiences. You might be helping up and coming podcasts. Like we help out the chase down with our pittance all the time. So, I mean, if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't be the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I mean, I know that's pocket change for us, but again, like f off for real. Like, who are you to say? Oh, it's I'm spending a couple hours of my time chatting about a subject matter that I'm deemed an ex quote unquote expert in. I know David Locke calls us experts of the Cavaliers. I kind of giggle when I hear that because I'm far from anything but that. But oh my god, I I don't even know the audacity. If I like just sent you an invoice after this show to say, all right, pay me fifty bucks, like that's just absolutely insane. <laughs> I I can't stop thinking about it. And I also saw Shang-Chi this weekend. It was really good. Um, really, really good. I have yet to go see Shang-Chi, just, just haven't had the time. Uh, perhaps next weekend. It was it was a good it was a good theater experience, I'll say that. Love a movie theater. I'm very excited for that new Edgar Wright joint next month. Mm-hmm. Um ready Looks for my fun. for my brain to melt a little bit. Um but yeah, let's dive into the show. Uh, again, I'm gonna ask Evan one question per segment here. Evan is going to then respond we'll talk about them he'll probably throw this back at me this week or i'll do this again whatever it is we're going to kind of do this as we're kind of getting into the season just kind of throwing some questions out and thinking i for me at least i want to think a little bit big picture about this season a little bit i think there's a lot of obviously very small game to game stuff um that we will need to talk about there's a lot of development with this team that we need to see play out of the long haul but I think there's some other bigger questions we can dive into as Evan turns around to make sure he's not going to get, like, knifed in the back by his cat. Um, yeah, pretty much. Finnegan, that monster. Um, but, Evan, I want to start with a very just, like, 
just kind of like state of the franchise kind of question. Do, do you mm-hmm. now versus like, let's say three years ago, do you feel like the Cavs are any different as far as how they're run? Do you feel like any more confidence in how they're run, how they're operated, their sort of disposition of how they're approaching? Do you feel like there is anything like truly different about sort of how this team sort of functions in a, in a macro sense? Absolutely not. Um, for those of you watching at home um, or listening at home, if you watch Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, the Lake Lao guy section of the series, um, when they say there's no war in bossing, say that has always been like the Cavs mentality and mantra where they will brainwash and subdue you to say there's no problems or issues with this team internally or externally. or It's just been kind of... Um, it's been that, and the Cavs just not really getting out of their own way every step of the way. I know people are going to call, oh, locked on Cavs being cynics once again, but it's rinse, repeat. Like, the Cavs are, they are on a vicious cyclical cycle where they can't get out of their own way some days. I think they're going to have to face the consequences of some of their actions in terms of just some of the players they picked. I mean, extending Jared Allen for what they extended him for, pretty good money. Uh, the Lowry marketing extension I'm, or signing, I should say, I'm going to take with a grain of salt and hopefully it works out. But I still have my questions and reservations about that. Paying Colin Sexton, there's questions about that. The John Bayline situation, there's still questions about that. Um, it, it, it's kind of weird that you can draw parallels to the second LeBron era Cavs, completely different teams, of course. But just in terms of dysfunction, you can draw parallels pretty quickly at times. But... Um, I don't know, man. I hopefully this the, the Cavs break the cycle. Like I know Kobe Altman is the first general manager to sign an extension under Dan Gilbert's tenure as an owner, but the Cavs have also never made it the playoffs and Dan Gilbert's tenure as owner without LeBron James on the roster. So maybe that breaks eventually. Um, maybe the Cavs break this cycle of just incompetency and just lunacy in general, and they just become like a normal bad team for a bit and kind of become irrelevant. But at least in the grand scheme of things. I don't want the Cavs just to be a normal team that doesn't make the headlines for all the wrong reasons because I don't really want to hear about how national writers dunk on the Cavs and how then in turn Cleveland fans get insecure um, or certain rival podcast hosts get insecure about the Cavs. Yeah, not you, know, you know, look, not, not rivals. So, they're just, they're friends. They're friends. They're our friends. I love both of them. Our pittance. Oh, well, you know, I'm, um, I'm, Evan, Evan is continually just like, the bad what vibe, uh, yeah. Evan, well, no, Evan's picking fights. I'm just like kumbaya, baby. But I, I tend I'm to like Stan Van Gundy sipping the Diet Pepsi right now. Um, this is a Diet you're, Pepsi. you're a bold. We're recording this at 25 on Sunday. You're a bold man for drinking a Diet Pepsi at this, this stage in your life. We're old, buddy. Um, I want sugar in my system before I go to bed soon. There's okay. It's not hard. Well, there's not sugar. There's you're, you're drinking caffeine at like 8:30. That's crazy. Um. Okay, no, I need no, like three no. cups of coffee to even get me functioning in the morning, so don't even... Respect. Any, okay. Like the third time stop, we stop, met stop, each stop, other, stop. I, cried, I drank two monsters in the first quarter of the Cavs game, and I still That's was true. groggy. Absolutely insane behavior on your part. But, um, it's like, I, I tend to agree. Like, I, I don't think we've actually seen anything that would make me think that the Cavs are sort of, like, doing anything differently. Like, I think there are obviously some changes. Um, you know, like, they're... I mean, I think, like, Grant Gilbert obviously is much more... in 
you can you, if you follow him on Instagram, you can t- see all the social people he's well, like friends with. Three like, years ago, he was in college and is uh, <laughs> rolling up his sleeves, getting investments from Rocket Mortgage or whatever. Well, though, his, that's in not him. that's not really what he. His other son is the one. one of, his one son who went to Michigan is the one who got the investments from Rocket. Let's get your get your Gilberts in a line, Evan. But um, I thought that was Grant. No, there's another one. There's another one who's not involved with the team who got investments through like a rocket. Like, oh. we, we don't need to talk about this. This is not locked on locked on Gilbert's financials. Um, that's see, coming to CNBC soon, actually. But um, I, I like oh, it's coming back this season succession on HBO. Look, I'm saying someone needs to do succession sports and like the Cavs and like the Dol- the, the Gilberts and the Dolans just mend them into one like dysfunctional like, group of humans. But like, I, I tend to agree. Like, I, I tend to think that like, this is an organization that has ever like shown that they're willing to really go outside the box. Like I, I, they, they sort of like in, in by outside the box, I mean like not do things that the way they tend to do. I mean like they've repeated mistakes over and over again. Like, uh, I, I tend to think that like they, yeah, they I was going to say, I was about to correct you They They do some pretty unconventional things. Well, yeah. Times. And like, I, I think sometimes like they just like assume that like doing the same thing over and over again is sort of going to work. And like, I, I think the NBA is like this is the, in, at this point where it's like, Especially if think if you're a smaller market team and Cleveland just undoubtedly is, I think there there are certain things you need to try and get better at. And the Cavs are not a team that like if you're if you want to be like a successful, sustainable winner in the NBA and you're not like a major market team that can like sort of wade through some discomfort and sort of like ultimately like be a destination because you're New York, because you're L.A., whatever, like you are sort of like need to sort of take a lot more onto yourself and like i think some of the the business op side of things is like very smartly done i think there are things on their social side of it that like i think grant is for instance very involved in and i think they do very well um like i think that frankly like i'm biased because they're our friends but i think the chase down thing was like a, a smart thing for a team to do that's not like a bad like the grizzlies have taken it to like a whole other level but like like there are teams that have done this and i think that's not like a bad thing but i think on the yeah. basketball side of things it's just like i don't know how you can like look at like what the team sort of does and how they operate and, and sort of feel like there's all there's necessarily been like coherent like uh, big picture thinking and i i just don't again it's just sort of like nuts that i feel like i can we're gonna i want to we'll take a break here after this because kobe allman is at the crux of my next question but it's like nuts that like i sort of feel like i look at um Kobe Altman's tenure, and he's the longest tenor, tenor general manager in the Dan Gilbert era of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, I forgot that. That is weird to think, too. So it's like, but I don't feel like I, I can look at his resume, look at his CV, and be like, I have a clear grasp on, like, what he is or, like, what his strengths are. Like, there are things that I tend to think he does well, and he has he has things that he likes to do. Like, there's a, the, the Cavs have become one of the teams that do the, like, multi-year deal with a bunch yes. of non-guarantees. Like there's stuff yes, like that, contracts. right? There's little things that we sort of know, but I don't feel like I have like a, like a, like you can, I can explain to you in a sentence what like Sam Presti's role, like kind of fun of ethos is. I can understand. I can explain to you what like the Celtics is. I can understand to you what like the heat well, is. Well, just even like, in the Cleveland side of things, like you have a clear idea what Chris Antonetti's about and what Andrew Barry's about because one, yeah. one, they make themselves more available to the media, but like you have clear ideas of what their visions and what their strategies are too. Yeah, and they and they also like are willing to like like I think be pragmatic, and I don't necessarily know if I've ever thought of like the Cavs and whether this is a Kobe thing or a Dan thing or or whatever. If there's something in the sport that makes it harder, like I've never thought of the Cavs as like a pragmatic organization, and I've never felt like that has been reinforced the last couple of years. But Evan, let's take a break. We got to pay some bills. We do. And first up uh, is our is our friend the Sweatblocks. Why don't you tell everyone about it? 
For sure, hey guys, there are so few things in life that are not fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you're sweating right through your shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing, right? Some of you may know that I have personally dealt with this. When I speak in public, I can't help but sweat through my shirt. Now, listen, I know this isn't life and death, but there are much worse problems in the world, but let's be honest. In the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech, interview, or first date, God forbid. I'd rather much not worry about it, and that's why I use Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it the night before bedtime, go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. I know this will sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use Sweatblock once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on what will hide sweat better. If you or somebody you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon, where, by the way, it is currently number one in the antiperspirant category, thanks to you guys, and or at CVS. Also got to tell you about our friends at DirecTV. And look, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another lets you stream your favorite shows, but you're also watching sport highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and TV shows all in one place that includes if you're in Ohio Valley Sports to watch Cavs games. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Evan, question two. It's like a dating game on here, man. That's right. Um, Bachelor number one. What's up? Uh, Did you watch any of those trash TV dating shows on MTV before we get started? Um, yeah. The or one is this more of like your no, wife's forte? No, I I would sometimes like have I have watched some episodes of that one where like they like did get off the bus. <laughs> that one's really bad. But do you remember the one that was like date my mom where like guys would like go out on dates with kids mom or girls or guys moms and then like they'd get to know the person or like room raiders where they would literally go through somebody's oh, yeah. room and like oh my god they have books because they're a student ew they're so nerdy and disgusting like stuff like that that's okay chris chris is uh chris chris is a happy man who's been with the same woman his whole life not my whole life but like my adult life yeah your um, your adult life that's i we're, we're done with this. I don't we're know. Not, I know. I'm just saying, like, I don't count dating to, like, late high school. Like, middle school, early high school, those relationships don't really count. Because you have no idea what, like, you want in life. Yeah, it all counts. It's all part of your 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 uh, your CV. But your, develop, your origin story. Mm-hmm. Your continuity. But, um, question. Here's question two. Whom of these two gentlemen do you feel like you have more trust in as of today? Kobe Altman, J.B. Bickerstaff. Oh, this is a tough one, actually. Because hmm. they kind of go hand in hand with one another. That's why it's tough for me. So I'm saying if you had to separate them in some way, and I think that like the, like there's a path of the season where like some heads go flying. I, I tend, but like the one of them. Well, has, I think if uh, one gets fired, they both get fired. Well, but is it? I I wonder if you get to a point where like Kobe's like I'm gonna like try this last like pull this last lever and that's like letting JB go and then I just like 
like I'll get fired in a couple months, but like maybe I can string together enough like wins under like an interim coach. I get the new coach bump. I, I here I I want to well, say JB just because I have more direct interaction with him just based on media stuff. Um, I tend to actually I think the answer. Yeah, I, I I think the I, my answer is JB. I can tell you why if you want. While you think about this, yeah, tell me. Right. Yeah, I'm still chewing on this a little bit because I'm just of the mentality where these two operate in tandem with each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I trust JB a little more because I think from my understanding of him and talking, you know, getting to talk to him more obviously, and him sort of being like, um, I well, how do I say this kindly? Like, not like he's a, Kobe's not combative when he's spoken, but he gets like more defensive. In like, well, JB also gets trotted out there whenever there's sometimes a PR well, yeah, J- Kobe or because he's else the coach speaking. and because of how like the media cycle for coaches works, especially I think in the Zoom era where like it's harder for someone to like go grab a player on the side or like track Kobe down in the arena or whatever. Like JB is like the the center of it, and so we do get more of him, and he presents a certain way there, obviously. But I tend to think in just talking to people about him, um, kind of understanding like. you know why he was the pick post to kind of be beeline supplement like what his sort of ethos was when he took over for for beeline i think there's just like a guy there who is like even if i don't necessarily i'm not sure he's like an optimal nba head coach um i tend to think that like there had there's there's a part of him as an offensive coach in terms of like offensive play design and offensive ethos that i don't know if is like at the level that i think it maybe needs to be to kind of be one of the better coaches in the league but i think he's really good with the players i think he's um i think he's good at kind of like trying to keep things very level he's not a guy that gets too high or too low i tend to just think like he's just better with people and i don't necessarily even know if i can say one way that kobe is like bad with people or not because like i just don't think that we have the the full understanding of it it's just like when you you see like issues pop with the Cavs organization it is not always like jb was a a part of the kevin porter thing but like that was also kobe the kevin love thing was a was a kobe thing right like those are sort of the, Uh the the things there and i tend to think jb is just like knows the in and outs of how the players work can relate to them like there, there are things about how JB I think does things that I think is like makes him like a really good guy to have an organization again. I don't know if he is like the head coach of this team in like two years, right? Like I, I don't really know if that's oh, yeah. where this is headed. I, I think there are legitimate concerns about if you're gonna like if we're gonna nitpick here, like you know is is some, and some of this I think we need to see a prop. This, this is like a make or break year for him, and I want to see what he can do with the real off season and training camp and stuff, kind of halfway out of COVID or wherever we're at with the pandemic. But like, I tend to just think like, I trust him a little more in terms of just being a good part of your organization and sort of like understanding how the NBA schedule, how the NBA dynamics all sort of work a little bit more cleanly. I, th- I think that's where I'm at with it. I, th- yeah, I agree with where you're coming from. I think just for me, a little bit, a lot of it actually is the fact that we interact with JD on a night to night basis when it comes to media availability and things like that. And he really is the one who speaks to the media the most. If you look at him and Kobe, I mean, yeah, I mean, Chris, 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 uh, Chris had a grease board by his bed where it said it's been, he wipes it every day and said it's been like 628 days since Kobe Alvin last spoke to the media. And then that streak broke not too long ago. <laughs> the fact that that is, that was like my brand and that like the, like when our, when our friend Ken Carbon like, uh, gave us a shout out on, on 92.3. Um, which is yeah. the with the which is also one of those things where it's like when you people are like oh hey you got mentioned and you threw which is like just listen to my pod you'll you'll get my takes otherwise folks dad but, yeah no, um I my agree. my dad big big Ken Carmen guy my father Ivor Manning but um 
he he was when he was like yeah like that's a good point it's just like that was my bit and i'm not even saying that like like i don't need to be like spoon-fed like pr from the team that's not always what i want but i want like chances to like ask actual questions i think i know i agree with you there but i i think i trust jb more because if the Cavs really do believe in setting a and i quote culture jb is probably the better guy to do it because he has that direct interaction with players obviously i know kobe is heavily involved with this team i've kind of gathered more or less that he's pretty heavy-handed in his approach to this team he just kind of operates in the shadows in terms of like public perception um it's just it's it's weird because I've gotten the impression a lot of players that have played for the Cavaliers in the past aren't really the biggest Kobe Altman fans. So I think maybe if like you're trying to build a culture, you use JB as a conduit for it, and it works a little bit better that way. But um, I don't know. If I, I guess like if you had to tell me, ask me like long term, who do I have a better who do I have more faith in having a job in the NBA? I think I'd say JB Bakerstaff. Like even if JB doesn't work out in Cleveland, like I think he'll be a very good assistant for a team somewhere. Oh like, yeah, he, I don't, I don't know. If, and also yeah. is like the vibes guy with the locker room and like the coaching staff. Like if you have like a, a a coach who struggles to connect with players, like a David Blatt. Like this is just my example. Like David Blatt. Like JB Bakerstaff could be your Ty Lue as the guy who connects to the locker room. Maybe just a little bit less LeBron subterfuge as well. Yeah, um, I think JB like if if he were to be let go, um, I think would be an assistant on a staff. Like you like said, he, like five years from now, I would firmly say JB Bickerstaff has a job in the league, and Kobe Allman is just working as an investment banker for Golden. Or if like if like Kobe, <laughs> if Kobe took like the the Sashi Brown path and like moved into like sort of like a sports like role with another team and like maybe in another league where it's like sort of not necessarily like straight up journal management. Yeah, like more Kobe of like had an analytical. I don't well, know. but he had. I mean, he has like a basketball background and stuff. So there's there's like stuff that oh, I don't yeah. I don't want to downplay that with him because like I mean, oh, he, I'm not discounting like, Kobe's resume. No, but I'm, tr- like, tr- I'm trying to just make say, like, yeah. will he be a general manager again probably not <laughs> no, so maybe and- i retract my statement like kobe Altman may not have another general manager opportunity but jb Vickerstaff could realistically have an opportunity to be a head coach in this league in five years again i don't know if jb might i'd be curious to see yeah, if he's young but he's also got like multiple stops on his resume at this point and i think like they all have been sort of sub my only I- counterpoint to that is cleveland is the only time he's had job security in those stops like memphis he really yeah. didn't houston he definitely didn't but then at the same time, it's like I look at it. It's like I just, I just feel like we, we, I feel like both of them could like, could show a little, like ideally would show a little bit more. But it, I think it's just like one of those things where it's like I wonder. I would be very curious to see if um, one of them would survive the other one in some way. I don't know. I wouldn't expect that's how it plays out. But I would wonder I would if expect like, Kobe survives JB, but then Kobe loses his job in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, I could see that being a thing. I don't know. I like and then, um, yeah. And like, look, I was Brock just saying. Callers the GM. Yeah. Um. Okay. We we can talk about that when it happens. Explain why that's like another symptom of the Cavs being the Cavs. But anyway, Evan, let's take one more break. We'll have one more question after this. I have a little more of a fun one next because I know I picked sort of two sort of like curmudgeon Chris Manning questions here. But first, I got to tell everyone about <laughs> the sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports expert at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So, in 2022, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their sleeper teams. Sleeper right now, folks. Totals. 
fantasy football while Chris reads his ads. And in game pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. So look, your days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The games are 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 mind. The days of mindless daily busy work are over. It's the days of pick giving up halfway through season because of the busy work also over. You pick one game per week based on player matchups, home versus away, opponents, defensive rating, pace of play, and more. All it adds up to more strategy and less busy work. So if you prefer redraft, keeper, dynasty, game pick, also as you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building any weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, clearly not an elite athlete, or just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle, muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stress of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and use the Theragun app from your beha- and your behaviors and suggestions guided routines will follow. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me, Evan Damaral. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. Hala Madrid. Anyway, that was um, that was like an Olympic diving video, like blooper reel of me reading that ad copy. Hala Madrid, baby, Luka Modric forever. Um, yeah, all right, question question Chris three. Said. Big soccer guy, Um All right, Evan. Question three. What Cleveland Cavaliers player, in terms of however you wanted to find the answer to this? do you feel like has the most upside to change the way we think about them this season in a positive manner? Hmm. I think the Evan Mobley or okay. Isaac Okora, it, one of the go, two. Go, pick pick Mobley, and then I may pick Okoro, but I want you to pick Mobley. I think Mobley has already a preconceived notion against him. Like a lot of people have very high expectations, myself included. I have compared him to Chris Bosch in the past, and I think that was a little lofty. I think there are some legitimate concerns about Mobley's game coming in, but you also need to temper those expectations, as I've said. Like you can't expect him to have like a Luka Doncic or even a Jalen Green or um, Cade Cunningham like impact immediately. Um, I think he can change the perception about him pretty quickly is how does he look playing alongside Jared Allen, like in serious minutes, because this is going to probably be Cleveland's front court going forward, at least until Mobley's big enough to play the five. Maybe they move on from Allen, but cross that bridge when you come to it. And is he able to shoot the rock as well? Because um, there's a good chance that 
Mobley isn't much of a shooter to start the season, and instead, like you see, Markin and starting. I think fans might be a little disappointed by that. If like you draft this kid third overall, there's a certain expectation precedent to it. Um, if he is more of a reliable shooter, um, he actually gets to play with some actual point guards and Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio, and some actual NBA spacing. I think we're going to get a lot better of an idea of what kind of player Evan Mobley is. Maybe he really can be the best player in this draft class. Um, I just think if he shows that he's a shooter and shows that he can play next to Allen, I think a lot of those concerns that coming out of summer league with him will be quelled pretty quickly. Cause I, a lot of people were just like unrealistically and like super down on him after summer league. And I was just kind of like, huh, I wonder why. I mean, I, I kind of saw what I expected, but there's some still some questions I had when he was exiting summer league. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that, like, I think, like, people could look at, like, the tape or, like, the, the stats and sort of, like, the general, like, broad kind of comp and look at, like, like a Suggs or, or whomever and be like, oh, like, Suggs was clearly better this year. Like, I, I feel bad about this. Like, I, I can understand as a fan how you might get there. Like, um, my, my pick is Darius Garland. I think that Darius Garland, I'm very high in him as it is. If he has the kind of year, that one. me too. Well, the Cavs are very clearly doing that, but I think Darius Garland is in a position where, like, if he has the kind of year that I think he's capable of, he's gonna a set himself mm-hmm. up for a very nice payday when he becomes extension eligible after the season. He can pretty much cement himself as like part of the team moving forward, or at least like what we think of like what the Mobley, the Mobley Garland kind of. That like he could really establish himself as like a bookend of this franchise this year. I think he is the guy mm-hmm. where it's just like there's no question in my mind that like right now, as of today, before the season starts, a Colin Sexton has like proven more in the NBA. He's been more dependable for three seasons, healthier, um, I think a more proven bona fide scorer. Garland's upside as a creator, as a as a often as a scorer as well, is just a little bit different. And I think they can coexist in in ways that we haven't quite seen that. I think there's like some creativity I w- you could see in, in some ways you kind of work around it now, um, it, depending on how you kind of organize some things. I'm curious to see how JB approaches that. But I think mm-hmm. Garland is a guy that not only could like have a really big breakout year and be a guy that could like be like I, I think he deservedly was on some most improved uh, player list last year. I, I, I think if he has the kind of year I think he's capable of, he could be higher on those lists this year. And I also think we're going to see uh, this year, I think we're going to get a gauge and if he can be something of a floor raiser for, for teams. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be a guy that is going to be really key in making Mobley work. It's something when I talked to him at Summer League that he was, it was one of the first things he said about Mobley. He's like, I need to make sure he's comfortable and I can kind of get him functioning in his role. But that applies to Allen. He has really good chemistry with Jared Allen in the pick and roll. He needs to make help him be as efficient as possible. Um, he needs to be helpful with Larry Markkinen and getting Markkinen kind of in the spots and putting the ball in his hands in the way he needs to be. He needs to be a guy that helps with Coro. Like, he's a guy that, along with Rubio, has a lot of playmaker responsibility. And because Garland is, you know, uh, you know, in the team's more long-term plans in Rubio is a, is younger, is like going to start and play a, a ton of minutes. He's a guy that I think just has an opportunity to have his fingerprints all over this team in a real interesting way. And if he, if it hits in the 90th percentile and the hundredth percentile of what he could be, this is just like a really potential big breakout for Darius Garland. And I, I, I want to see it. I want to see what that might look like and what that would kind of mean um for cleveland and if that raises their kind of baseline in, in some way that we're maybe not thinking right now i don't know if that's going to happen if he's a floor raiser but i think like he can make guys more steady if things kind of work out for him do you think he's the biggest x factor for the Cavs next year 
Yeah. I, 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 because I, I, t- I think you could make a case for Mobley. I think you could make a case for like Sexton having like Markinen a year. I think or Garland are the biggest. I, I, I think Cavs. it's, I think it's for me, it's Garland. And then I think it's Mobley because if Mobley hits the ground running in a meaningful way in some capacity, like you, and he kind of looks like a star early, like that is a thing that changes your trajectory because the Cavs just haven't proved, they don't have a guy that is like a franchise player right now. People can get, oh, Colin Sexton, blah, blah, blah. Colin Sexton's really good. He's not a, He's not a floor-raising superstar player. He's just not. Mobley might not no, be that either. Not. We I don't mean, know. He yeah, hasn't played a There's a reason why Colin Sexton's name was floated in trade rumors the whole offseason, and the Cavs were comfortable in not like putting out a statement saying, we're not entertaining trades for Colin Sexton. Like he He's part of the franchise. I think Colin Sexton's a very nice complimentary piece, but he's not a floor-raiser like Chris and I are talking about, and I don't think he is equipped to be the guy. He's a huge success for an eighth overall pick. He could be realistically maybe an all-star one day. He's the first eighth overall pick as an all-star, but you don't want to hit your wagon entirely to him. If you want to hit your wagon instead to Garland and Mobley as just, you know, the forefront and the face of the franchise going forward, I think that's a pretty safer bet. Well, but it's, I think it's also like a situation where like, I think you have two guys that are like the potential, like lead guy on the team or like, co- like co-leads of the team is sort of, we understand it now. And like, those are the guys that could raise you from like marketing is not a guy that is going to take you from like being the 13th team in the East to like play and hopeful Garland. If oh, every, I'm not saying that no, I'm but, saying marketing is an X factor in the fact that we'll have, well, this is going to be my question for you. We're going to talk about how big of an impact you think Larry marketing will have yeah. for this team. I think yeah. it's going to be yeah. pretty big. Well, uh, well hopefully yeah, and yeah. it's unrealistic. I feel too. Well, well, yeah, that's like a whole. We we should do that as an, as like a thing. But I think my point here is like you have two guys that potentially could be like the actual like lead guy in your team and not like a supplementary piece. And those are the guys that like change the way your team works. Like you, the Cavs have not had a guy that, that or guys that have proven they can be like an engine on a successful team. Some of that is organizational failure on like the roster not making sense, the coaching hires. I think the pandemic obviously didn't help. I think there were coaching mistakes last year. Like I think the whole time Andre Drummond was around was like a real black hole for the Cavs strategy wise and offense like that Wolves game is just uh-huh. an encapsulation of everything I think that can be very frustrating about JB Bickerstaff that is of course the Wolves game in Minnesota where they posted Drummond like a bajillion times despite there being no like evidence that ever that has ever been a good offensive strategy it was not dynamic at all it was boring I, I think it's clearly Garland for me just because like he's a little more he's already been introduced in the NBA he's gotten past some of that learning curve and this is they're, they're going to give him the keys in a way that Mobley is going to need to be like brought along and I think like the Mobley like there's going to be stuff he does really well from day one I think he's going to pop in interesting ways but I think until he's sort of settled and gets a chance to like add muscle gets a chance to sort of like get his feet wet like mm-hmm. I mean it just like or or maybe it's like a thing like Lamelo last year where like he just becomes undeniable in some way and like just does some really interesting stuff and his impact in the game in a high level like it, it wouldn't shock me if like he starts the year coming off the bench and then like six months into the season is like we're like oh like he's actually been great all year all along and is helping in a big way like that like that wouldn't shock me but I think more likely Garland fingerprints are just going to be so everywhere that like he's the biggest X factor because if I think if he like gets hurt or is like if he a gets hurt or or b like isn't doesn't take a leap in some way i think the Cavs are in a lot of trouble and i think like if like they're they're just like they're he covers up some holes and i want to see how that um could kind of play itself but evan let's end there 
Yeah. We're going to do out. You're going to come up with questions for the next one. The marketing one is going to be one of them and I I'm uh you were kind enough to give me that little teaser, but throw it in, I'll I'll try to like forget it and and come in organic like I made you do on this one. Um but that's going to be it. We'll be back uh tomorrow with another episode. Maybe we'll do a live later this week as well. Again, media day in the season are coming up shortly. We'll have a lot of stuff to plug that we're working on uh, both here and uh where we you know, do that writing thing. But until next time, it's been Locked on Cavs. Thanks to our sponsors, Theragun, DirecTV, Sleeper, and uh, Sweatblock for sponsoring the show. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow.